We're back. Welcome back to Ravens Recap. This week, we are discussing in our summer of topics, we uh, wanted to talk about this topic, which is not so evergreen that we can necessarily talk about next year, in that this is the first year that the Ravens and the rest of the NFL will face a 17-game schedule. The dreaded Week 18 that (laughs) is almost like hard to remember exists at this point. This is not the first time that schedules have changed. Uh, In 61, there was uh, the 14-game season, and then in 78, they expanded to the season we knew for so long, the 16-game season. And even in 93, there were two bye weeks, which was quickly gotten rid of the next next year. (laughs) Apparently, it was an experiment that was not enjoyed by teams uh, or the NFL Broadcasting Consortium. So, pretty interesting. We had a couple topics about this change. For record, the Ravens are by week eight, which is basically right in the middle, a little early. And um, we just wanted to kind of talk through uh, what we kind of think might happen over the next year uh, with this rule change. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, It is interesting to bring up the 93 season and that the NFL experimented with two bye weeks and then quickly revoked that. I highly doubt that given the revenue increase the NFL will get, that they'll say that the 17-game season was uh, ill-advised, at least give it another year so that the NFC gets their additional home game as well, I'm sure. But um, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, this is a move the NFL is making that's no question that is controversial among the fan base, among the players. From my perspective, the, the camp has been more vocal against than for certainly outside of the NFL executive circle but I think there's some positives to it too which we'll get to as well but it's definitely going to be something that's going to make this season different than years past yeah I think the you know the first thing I guess I look at is the NFL didn't add uh, a 17th game on top of the existing schedule right they basically transitioned one of the preseason games uh, to be that 17th game. So I, I think that's probably the most direct thing you'll probably see from uh, teams as we go into August is, you know, just how their strategies and, and roster construction and how they handle preseason, how that's going to change with three games instead of four. And to be honest, I mean, I, I think it, I feel like it'll probably streamline it a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, we all know that, you know, the, the third and, and maybe the fourth preseason games, I think are probably the most important. You know, the first one as a fan, I guess, is nice because, uh, you know, it's the first time you can see the new players on the field in, in game action. So that's kind of cool from a from a fan experience. But it's really that third game is the, the dress rehearsal for the starters. And then that fourth game is if uh, you really want to know who is going to make the roster of those final few spots. Those are where the guys are going to, uh, you know, stick out. So they kind of condense that, uh, really. So now you get basically all the things I just mentioned are now in three games. So now that second game basically doesn't matter anymore. So exactly yeah they replaced the second game and i tell you though i think the only reason that they got rid of a preseason game though to be honest with you chris is to avoid the uh the huge backlash from players that still happened because it's it's bogus in my opinion of like well you're making us play an extra game but we're not getting raises right right and, yeah. and they're like oh no you're not you had to play the preseason games anyway they're like no 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 like the real nfl players are like i didn't play in those games <laughs> You know, I don't care. They're not full speed games. They're not real. And um, I'm shocked there wasn't more chitter chatter about that. 
Now, I do believe the minimums changed to reflect the 17-game season, but like the people like you know Mahomes, for instance, you know, has this like huge contract. You know, it's not it's not getting adjusted for having more work, and uh, you know, I don't think any of us would take on more work and not want to get a pay raise. So I'm, I'm it's kind of surprising this even like worked out. I think maybe one of the promises from the owners is the salary cap is based off of the revenue from the previous year. So now once they have this extra game, extra revenue, the uh, salary cap will get bigger and like future salaries could get bigger. I think that's probably how they pitched it. So we'll see if it actually benefits players and not just owners. Yeah, I think that's ultimately going to be the big selling point for the players. Um, You can't blame them for wanting them to make the money. And that's, yeah, you're right. More games, more revenue, salary caps should go up. I think one of the biggest things that we'll want to see how it plays out, and I'm definitely interested in doing kind of a follow-up to this episode after the season, is that I think the obvious implication is the importance of player rotation. Snap management will be a huge aspect going into the season. We know defensive linemen, for instance, notoriously rotated on all teams, but specifically the Ravens. One of the big differences, for instance, is like, the Steelers um, really ride some of their starters. They they don't rotate nearly as much. Whereas we have seen when we don't rotate like planned, premature injuries to McPhee and um, decreased effectiveness of other players because they're just having to go out and play so many snaps. They get worn down in a game. And uh, maybe that's why we lost the Tennessee game midseason was just like the players are getting worn down, gaping hole to Derrick Henry and, off he went. So we'll have to see how they adjust player rotations. And you know, obviously the defensive line has player rotations. I'm curious if we see more of it in other areas. Yeah, definitely think that's going to be uh, crucial. I, uh, more teams, I think, are going to be doing it more often. Yeah, as, as far as the Ravens, I mean, yeah, I mean, you said it, Alec. If, you know, a lot of, you know, the the issues, I think, last year, um, especially on the defensive line, um, were, you know, due to, you know, overwork of some of those guys. You know, somebody like Calais Campbell, like, you know, we, we can't rely on him to play 70, 80% of snaps like he did, you know, when he was younger. It's just not going to work. So I, I think that, you know, that I think that's going to be interesting from, you know, some of the guys who are going to be on the roster. Um, that makes me think that, you know, maybe a guy like Roger Washington, even though he had some, you know, off the field issues somewhat recently, you know, assuming that they're, you know, handled and he's not going to have any more of those issues a guy like him probably has a good chance of making the roster if he's effective because you know he's one of those guys who can go in there and rotate with a guy like brandon williams or or derek wolf or somebody but uh but yeah i i would definitely expect to see more rotations for even for other positional groups particularly if the ravens are going to have success like they've had in a couple years prior where um you know they've go up on bad teams if we're going to have a lot more of that i would kind of expect to see more rotations of guys um you know as they've kind of built up the lead they can put in more of those b and c players uh to to really just sort of you know let the starters get their time in let them you know get up in the game but once the game is is kind of in a comfortable position okay we can start to mix more of these guys in to, to help you know not only give them game experience but just give them some of the snaps and some of the opportunities to kind of rest uh some of the other guys yeah, I think that is going to be an unintended, or it has a danger of being an unintended consequence of the NFL for this uh, with this schedule. I mean, we talk about NBA. Um, we discussed before at the beginning of this episode that NBA 
Alec, I've, you can. What what were the exact numbers you used? Yeah, it's like after forty percent of the season, it's extremely predictive. The current standings will will basically persist. Um, so you don't really need to play out the whole season to know who's going to go to the playoffs. But they do it anyways, um, probably mostly for revenue reasons, right? And what's resulted is the good teams basically know this. Uh, they want to like basically keep in their their horse race, um, and they start like intentionally resting people. Um, so I think it's a long season. You know, you definitely want to rest these all stars and stuff like that. Um, and I think one extra game in the NFL won't cause too huge of a drop off. But I totally get what you're saying. Where similar, I guess the if you if you go and look into the '93 season and why it failed, apparently one of the reasons why was that the quality of game went down. Uh, there was a lot. Of, there was a top heavy league, so those teams were playing less often, and the available games for people to watch became less. And there, there wasn't a marquee matchup that week. People wouldn't watch, and you know it got them out of the rhythm of watching games, and it just wasn't good for ratings. I think having this extra game, it might change the calculus of when a guy like Harbaugh, uh, who I feel like always holds his player long in, like his stars in longer than I would. Uh, like it might reduce the threshold to be a little bit closer to where I've always wanted it to be of saying, okay, we're up by three touchdowns. It's the last quarter. Like they're out of here. I mean, I'm even comfortable saying they're out of here by the third quarter if they're up by a lot. Cause like you can always bring them back. And I know there's like the whole momentum thing and, and whatnot, but like, come on now, these are bad teams. Like if you can't beat them with your backups then you probably should lose the game, <laughs> give them a handicap. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be really interesting to see what the impact of that is on uh for fantasy football if enough teams do that you have to think about that when you're drafting players like you, you draft well you, you think that the, te- <laughs> the games that they're pulling these but guys they've they've got they got their they're good right like they're probably only yeah. doing it in big shootouts so like most likely your players have you know gotten their opportunities but i hear what you're saying i mean that you all that's what you want right when you play dfs you always look for like the shootouts like what game here has two bad defenses <laughs> they're just gonna like <laughs> score points right like that's uh you know kind of what you're always looking for yeah yeah that makes sense i i feel like i, I would still kind of expect teams to take the you know the approach that the ravens did last year and not what they did in 2019 and that like you know they would definitely like to try and get guys some sort of game time like even if they're not going to play the whole game but like get them in there for like a quarter or two try not to like just outright rest them and give them a buy because you know if you have that on you know for too many key players at once and then they come back you know there's a little bit of a ramp up period i think for them to kind of get back into game shape so you know i think they got to be careful about who they decide to inactivate certain weeks because i guess that's the other thing to remember too is that you know even though you know you might want some of these players to get some snaps well you need to you know deactivate so many people per game week right you can't have everybody active every single week so you know it's it's not like you can just draw up on you know other people at will you have to strategically decide like okay you know maybe this week i inactivate a few people uh, but maybe like you know a week or two later like you know you try to bring those players back but then you know deactivate some other veteran players or something it might give teams uh impetus to let players fully recover from injury uh, or better yet like if they have a nagging injury give them a week off for no other reason than like we want to rest them anyways so like you can imagine your questionable player becomes out for no other reason than well it's a longer season now we really don't want to stress this too much i could definitely see the questionables getting impacted by this as well so i think along the lines of that is we're also looking at what are the playoff implications with this and are you going to have teams resting players sooner since with 
more games and seven slots, you could have teams clinching as early as week 14. You could probably see that happening. And, uh, you know, then there's a the question of rest versus momentum. Could we maybe see, you know, these teams, more of these teams that are uh, clamoring for these bottom seeds, you know, have more momentum coming into the postseason than some of these top seeds are getting. That would be an amazing problem to have if, like, let's say, the Ravens were like fourteen and nothing, and I don't know, the Chiefs were like three. Ga- I don't know, say the Chiefs were like three games behind or something, and then <laughs> yeah. you, you know, Always it's comes like, back to them. Uh, yeah, like well, I mean, at that point, you know, you have to think about him. Like, man, you rest a bunch of players, like let's say week fifteen or something, but have them come back for like the last two weeks. That way, you get some rest, but you still have the opportunity, to, like, get your momentum back. Like, that's not a bad idea, but. I mean, that's, I think, way beyond the Ravens' control of, of uh, you know, how other teams are going to perform. And, you know, I, I still think ideally they would, if they have the opportunity to get the one seed, I think they would want to lock it up. Um, because we know, yeah, with the seventh uh, playoff team, the two seed basically is one of the worst seeds to get at this point because you don't get that first round by. Yeah, it's like overachieving in school. Like, you, you got like a high B and you're like, man, a high B. I didn't get the A. I, I tried hard to like, you know, maybe get there. You didn't quite get there. And then you still got a B. You could have gotten an 81 and still got a B. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it's like knowing when to hit the gas, so to speak. I, I think mm-hmm. that's just going to be an underappreciated thing. I, I know that NFL teams probably don't want to talk about it because maybe it's not even a cu- part of the culture to ever like let up. But like, I think it might be a good idea to, um, as a team to get into those rhythms and understand like, when you really need to give it your all. I mean, they always talk about like, all oh, the playoffs are different. Like the focus is different. The people are preparing different, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's worth like mentioning is like you said, Peter, like maybe there'll be some ramp downs. Maybe there'll be some less quality of play stuff because the teams are a little bit more conscientious of how do we keep rhythm and how do we keep energy and all that good stuff. I think it's interesting though. If you look at it from last year's perspective, especially with the AFC, um, I know it's been a bit since football season, so we might all have forgotten a bit, but there was a big log jam of teams going in, and there was a lot of question as to which of these teams is going to be out, right? So you have eight teams in the AFC finish with at least 10 wins. So if you look at it from last year's perspective, granted, this is just one sample size. I don't think that, that last year is a year where you would have that problem, really, because you got you know, the Chiefs were 14 and 2, but then right behind them were the Bills 13 and 3, the Steelers shuffling along 12 and 4, and then we had, you know, the <laughs> Titans, Ravens, Browns, Colts, Dolphins all huddled together there, 3 through 8 as it would turn out. Well, it's and, hard to forget though, Peter, because I I remember explicitly, you know, as Ravens fans, we were really outside looking in for a while, but the uh the percentages had us higher. Like we weren't in the playoffs currently with current standings, but the percentages said like, surely the Ravens are going to make the playoffs over the people that were ahead of them because of like the strength of schedule and stuff. We're like, we're going to make it guys. We got like the giants. We got some like cake matchups. We're going to pull it off. And um, it was kind of funny how like, because of the tiebreakers and like other teams playing one another, like you knew someone was going to lose how, even though we were on the outside looking in, it was more positive, but you're totally right. Because I remember, we were like, we're not that bad of a team, but we we lost against like New England. We had a couple bad games, that little stretch there of like uh, the COVID impact of us losing games, and um, yeah, <laughs> that was it was it caused undue stress, right? <laughs> we were all stressed that the Ravens weren't going to make the playoffs until that last week, <laughs> and uh, even though like we felt like we were a good team, we we're like, if we get in the playoffs, anything could happen. 
Yeah, I, I didn't forget about that, man. That That's bringing back some flashbacks. I wonder if we're going to have like some weird you know, mathematical numbers now with the 17-game season. Obviously, it's an odd number, so some of the math is just going to be you know, a little bit uh, harder, I think, to calculate with even and divided by 16. It's just like there are more clean decimals, I think, that come out when you're talking right. about win percentages. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, there's got to be like this year or maybe next year or something, there's got to be some weird thing going on where like, you know, by which some teams who have like more losses or something than, you know, like ties, like th- there's going to be something weird that you've just never seen before. You know, obviously, I guess that makes sense if you're dividing by a different number, but, you know, it's, I feel like it's just going to be more pronounced with the with the odd number of games i don't know what it's going to be though yeah you can have some weird winning percentages you're like if you if the team finishes eight and nine you'd be 0.471 win percentage this feels weird in football <laughs> yeah like is it possible or something to have a team that has like two ties is like ahead of another team with like one loss or something of how it works out even though they might act like technically maybe should add to the same thing I don't know. I'd have to look more at the math and figure out. I'm sure that there's some. There's. A, I'm sure there's going to be some interesting, interesting math that's going to show up, and with the additional game, it just, you know, increases the probability of of some outcomes. Gosh, how did I think about that? Do you guys? Do you even remember the last time we've had a team like have more than one tie in the season? When was the last time that happened? I'm not sure it has, but I don't think it's happened. Yeah, and it, it feels super duper rare. Definitely. I mean. You know, I mean, there are only a handful of teams that I know of that have had one tie in the season. But no, ever since overtime was implemented in 1974, there has never been a team with two ties. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> <with the> <laughs> Chris is like gonna weld into existence. <laughs> oh man! I mean, with the new rules, I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess we'll see. You just, you just know though. Twitter will be all over it, right? Everybody's always about like, oh, the score has never happened before. It's scoregami. You know. It's gonna happen once. Just you're gonna have teams with <laughs> you know, teams with multiple ties and the win percentages you know, being all weird in the playoff standings. It's it's gonna be great. Yeah, well, definitely with the with the new shortened overtime, it definitely seems like there's a much greater chance for it to happen. But it's still crazy. Since 2017, though, there's only been four ties. It feels like there's more. I, I, I don't know if that's just because whenever a tie happens, it's more pronounced because it's rare. So you, you see every week in it. the darn standings, right. <laughs> like that little yeah. that one, right. and that was it's always so the, ugly. <laughs> and that was always what ruined like uh, your your perception of of the teams and they're like how good they were. It's like oh they had that point five win. Yeah, I mean that is that is funny. That's the biggest thing I think that we're in as a, as fans that we're you know fighting against is just these this perception of these numbers and what they mean to a team, and we have to readjust it because you're just right. Like let's say a team finishes in a 16 game season if they finish 10 5 and 1 you're just like oh wow they only had five losses that's really good but then you're just like 10 wins you're just like uh eh, that's okay you know <laughs> it's just like what it's they, funny yeah <laughs> i think i think you just hit the nail on the head for winning franchises like ourselves we always rate the team in the number of losses because it was the easier perceived like number it's a smaller number it was like the one that you actually yeah. kind of thought about like how many losses does this team have right yeah, yeah your yeah, win tokens <laughs> yeah and now like the the amount of win tokens is like it's actually like the exact opposite it's like how many losses are you allowed not wins it's how many losses are you allowed <laughs> in a season um and uh yeah oh man good old tokens i forgot about that so i guess we've talked about what are some of the things that are going to be weird about this season and um i don't know if we've really talked about negatives as much as just differences but 
there has been a lot of talk and negatives about this, and as the only positive being that the owners get more money. Is there any way that actually this could make NFL football better? Well, we talked about it a couple episodes ago. I do think there's benefit in having a interconference game with the teams that you played two years prior. You know, just to have the regularity of having those those matchups. It's nice to be able to see those teams more often. I mean, as much as I enjoy matchups against, you know, the Chiefs or the Patriots or whatever, like those classic AFC rivalries that we've talked about, like our sub-rivals, um, there's just storied franchises in the NFC. Um, a lot of old teams are just like, like I said, storied franchises. It'd be nice to play them more often and uh, and have that interactions. Because like, you know, as a fan of football, right, not just like a fan of the Ravens, so to speak, there's a lot of teams in the NFC that I'm like, oh, those are pretty cool teams. Like, I'd love to see them, right? Like, like it'd be cool to go and observe their their product. And, if, you know, if it, it happens to work out, it's the year that they're in Baltimore, like, it makes it easier to go. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, for instance, like, I've never seen a Seahawks game. And I think the Seahawks are a pretty interesting team with, like, Russell Wilson and uh, DK Metcalf and all that. I'd love to see the Seahawks. Um, but I don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah, I definitely think from the fan perspective, it, it, it adds, you know, by adding the extra game, it, you, you have more opportunities for those sort of more interesting matchups, right? Uh, especially with the NFC, you know, having the, the interconference is like, yeah, once every four years you might play, you know, another team. Um, you know, if you care about what stadium you play at, right, now that things are opening more up, um, if you care about maybe going to another uh, another stadium, um, which wouldn't be the case this year. You know, we have an extra home game this year. But let's say next year, right? If if you have an opportunity to go see a, an NFC team away at their own stadium, that's you know another opportunity for you to be able to go and, and you know maybe see a matchup that you're really excited about. Um, you know, versus you know with the normal schedule, it might be it's w- once every eight years, right? That you have this opportunity. Now by having that extra one in there, like you know, it, it could be once every you know four years or something. You know, depending on what how it how it falls. So. Um, definitely from like a fan experience if it's if it's something that you you know really want to do or you know it's another game that you want to see I, I think you know you can make the most of it by having this extra game yeah the matchups perspective is definitely the the most obvious advantage to this um this format because if you think about it um the nfl and it's constrained by how many games these guys can play and and not destroy their bodies if you compare it to like nba and and mlb and and hockey I mean, those guys, those uh, teams pretty much play everyone else in the league every year. It's it's not exactly that way. I don't think in in MLB. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure for NBA, you have at least two games. Every team plays every other t- uh, team at least twice, and so you're always going to see every year. You know, you're always going to see LeBron James versus Kevin Durant, assuming they're you know playing. You're always going to see Giannis versus James Harden, but Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, you know, just to throw out one random quarterback matchup, you only get so many of those. When, well, at least when Brady was in the in the AFC, there's only so many of those matchups you're going to get with both those guys in their career. So I think that, yeah, putting an extra chance for these teams to match up against each other is uh, good for the overall product. Just to see more of these of these matchups that. Uh, you're only going to get once in a blue moon otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, e- even even with the extra revenue just from having the game, you know, I think that is probably like the, 
the most significant thing that the NFL was is going to get from this. But but yeah, the added bonus of like the media coverage of particular matchups or something. It's like that's I think that's what's probably going to help the long term viability of the NFL to really start you know just having more opportunities to to get more people excited about particular matchups to get maybe some new fans or something um, introduced to the game. I think that's what, what's really probably going to have the bigger impact long term. This is the year that every fancy league that goes 17 games can be right. You know, just don't add another one. <laughs> They'll press their luck. Oh, my gosh. I played one of those a year ago, and I hated it. I was like, wait, excuse me, we do, we're doing what? <laughs> we're playing week 17? That's the championship? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, I, I'm glad I kind of lost because I've been so pissed to like make it to the championship in that league and then have to play in a week 17. <laughs> like, who's going to play? Who's not going to play? It's a mystery. <laughs> the players that got you there aren't even playing because they were on too good of teams. It's like, this is garbage. <laughs> I think the one thing maybe we can leave with this is uh, how many more years do we think it's going to take the NFL to inevitably add in week 18 and the eighth seed of the playoffs because you know that's where they're going you mean you mean week week 19 <laughs> week 19 the, yes the 18th game. yeah yeah no 100 percent. i was gonna bring that up that's i'm, I'm glad we're ending with this because like okay it took them 17 years to figure out that it was a good idea to add two more games and candidly right i think they should have done 18 right now like if, if you're asking me if they're doing the expansion because like you said peter it's inevitable they're never going to probably get past it, I don't think. I think 18 games is about as far as this is going to be able to go. But you know that's what they want. It's nice numbers. We love even numbers as humans. Like, <laughs> I, I think it's inevitable. And uh, and I would honestly say, hot take, if they're not going to add any more um, teams, this is what they're going to do. And maybe they've already said this. Maybe I'm this not original take. I bet you that 18 game is going to be international. And, like, you play it in, like, some ridiculous uh, location. Oh, definitely. Oh, I think I think the 17th game would have been international this year if not for COVID. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I bet you that's they're going to try to do more international stuff with this. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I think the 18th game's inevitable. I hope it's interconference as well, just to have that more opportunities. That'd be kind of cool. And because uh, it gets messy. The second you start adding games to conference i can think of, we can say with full confidence if they do add another game uh with the current structure of teams and divisions etc it does not make sense to uh to make it anything but interconference. so okay going back to the original thought it took 17 years for them to decide to go to 16 games and then it took um 33 years of <laughs> doing uh 16 games so i think they're gonna go back down i don't think this is an exponential curve i'm gonna say in seven years they're gonna do it because it's gonna fester for a little that this weird numbers and they're gonna finally make it happen then so i'm gonna say lamar jackson will be in a ravens uniform when the 18th game is introduced (laughs) no yeah that's a hot take i think it's a hot take (laughs) yeah yeah it's weird i mean i feel like I feel like if, if I had to put odds on it, I, I think I would expect an 18th game before additional international teams. Because I think the more I think about it, the it just becomes more... Adding more teams, I think, becomes a lot more complicated. Right? Because, I mean, you can't... 
I guess if you went to 30, if you added another four teams, right, and you went to 36 total, then you would have to have some sort of conference realignment to be able to have three divisions in each conference. Um, I honestly don't think there's ever going to be international sorry, teams. Yeah. I think if anything, I, I truly don't believe there'll ever be a, uh, like an England team. I, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't buy it. Um, unless we have revolutions in transportation technology um and football is still a thing because i feel like those are not going to be <laughs> i feel like um, i mean I like I, I think a transportation can be figured out i think it's more of just the quality of play like where the players come from i mean i, I think internationally there just aren't yeah. as many quality players as the united states i think that's that's our primary hurdle right now it's just it hasn't reached enough but through all of the international games and you know i'm sure maybe other you know, programs that the NFL is either, you know, sponsoring now or is very interesting in trying to build, like building more of like the, you know, you know, secondary school, collegiate level, like, you know, NFL, you know, uh, American football programs abroad, right? But that takes a lot of time to build and then get the the quality of player up there, unless you're going to ship a bunch of, you know, more, you know, American NFL players to international teams, which is probably also difficult. I think, I mean, that's kind of what's going to happen if they do that. I think, I mean, first of all, I think if they did international teams, you're talking about at least eight teams. I think they'd have to do like a crap ton of teams. And maybe some of them are also local. But I think in order to really do another set of uh, teams, they would have to um, basically make five um, team divisions or something like that. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, no, I have to look I, into I, the I math. Think, no, I, I, think, I think you're right. Like, the logistically speaking... I think the 18th, 18th, 19th, 20th games, I think, are probably more likely than international teams. And also just when you think about it, like you were saying, the quality of play is an issue, you know, just having the right. quality of players. I mean, look at look at soccer, for instance. We, we lost. Like, the United States lost, sadly, the ability to have awesome soccer teams. Because I am convinced, like, soccer is a beautiful sport. I love watching soccer. But it's... Uh, it's never going to be popular in the U.S. for no other reason than like our local teams are not where the good players are. Like they are in Europe, and that's what that it is. What it is, uh, or you know, uh, South America. Like they're they're just not here, and and that's okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, like um, you know, we'll have to just live with it. But uh, you know, the U.S. is is where quality football is played, and I think like it's just a byproduct of where it became popular first, and there's only so many good players. I think that last statement is is why the NFL really can't expand past thirty two. Is because yeah, you look at what are some of the of the quarterbacks who would be starting. You know, if you just expanded it to thirty six, I mean, <laughs> you still had teams throwing out guys like you know like Drew Locke and Sam Darnold last year. You know, there's just not enough people are trained for Sam Darnold, buddy. <laughs> Those are fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know the Panthers are. You know, good luck to them, but. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, he's outside the Gase uh, realm of influence. He's gonna he's gonna be a Pro Bowler. <laughs> you know he, he could be, and he could be a change of scenery. Did Ryan Tannehill quite a bit of good, didn't it? Um, he's, but he's gonna get COVID. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, him and oh, Beasley man. will be hanging out and look at COVID together. <laughs> God. Yeah, oh, but geez. um, gosh, yeah, I, and I think the other thing you look at it is just you know what really helps teams gain revenue is the belief that the team can can win right you know a team wins a championship and fans stick around for a while after a bit and you know you have diminishing returns if the after it gets 
further and further. You had more teams. I mean, gosh, Cleveland Browns and the Arizona Cardinals are never going to win the Super Bowl. You know? <laughs> it's just like, and you're going to have some franchises that just, you know, I think just just get buried just by the, the numbers of it. It's just, it's just, there's only, you know, so many years and some teams are going to go through droughts. So yeah, I think overall it's an interesting experiment for the NFL in what is the sweet spot of, of their product. And I think a lot of us think that they were in the sweet spot and they're pressing their luck a bit, but we'll see what happens. They need to introduce relegation to uh, the NFL. That's the only way they can add teams. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, another thing that could help. I mean, if the, uh, the USFL, you know, comes back and, you know, having more of these like minor league teams to just build up sort of that talent, it could help, you know, for the long term viability. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, like we've like you said, the the seventeenth game right now is is definitely the way for the NFL to be able to, you know, expand their market reach a little bit, expand their revenue a little bit without you know the complications of you know how are we going to get more quality players to get more to field more teams. And I wonder if it's a three dimensional chess move by them they are maintaining the size of the practice squad this year right that was a big question mark was it just a COVID thing are they going to keep it going but it seems like overall teams liked it it gave us more continuity with players being on a team knowing the playbook and if they were called upon just you know better quality of play it goes back to the whole quality of play argument and you can imagine that having this larger stable of players have the opportunity to play at the NFL level practice the NFL level might allow for a uh, slowly but surely having more players that are good enough, question mark, you know, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, and then going from there. And, you know, maybe then they can feel confident with the 18th game and stuff like that. So you have to wonder, right? Like there are, this gets like really philosophical, but like there are a lot of teams, players, et cetera, that are undrafted that then make the NFL, right? And... Of the even of those players that don't necessarily make the NFL or don't make practice squads, like if there's more places for them, they have more opportunity to eventually, you know, show their worth. It just gives more opportunity to more players to eventually like become a starter or, you know, become a, a quality NFL longtime career player. So I think you're just like opening up more opportunity for players to prosper. Um and I think you know, maybe there's there's more players out there that can actually succeed at this level than we think. We just weren't giving them enough, like, quote, unquote, job opportunities to uh, be able to. Because there's no other way to get good in the NFL than just, like, playing in it. Like, we saw how these these players can't just, like, train on their own for two years and come back. That never works out. Right. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. And, and I think the, the key, I think the key aspect to that kind of, like, kind of sells that argument is really the, they need to have continuity on, uh, teams that are competitive right because otherwise like you, you can give you can give undrafted players you can give these you know roster bubble players an opportunity with a 33rd team right but if right. you have a whole team of undrafted roster bubble players that they're not competitive and so you put them on the field and like you know after a year you better have like you know the best coach you know belichick or something on that team like even he would probably have struggled to like keep people motivated if they're getting blown out 60 to nothing every single game right well, I think we saw how Belichick would do with that uh, this year. <laughs> All right, everyone. I think that uh, about covers it. That's uh, our takes on the 17-game season. Very curious to see how it plays out and what we think about it going into uh, 
next year. If you uh, enjoyed the episode, make sure to tell a friend about the podcast. We'll be doing episodes all throughout the offseason as we get ready for another exciting NFL season. You can follow us, Ravens underscore recap on Twitter, or send us an email at feedback at ravensrecap.com. Make sure to keep listening. There might be more fun ahead. We don't play them this year, right? We don't play the, this, the Patriots. No. Darn, we don't get to see Mac Jones. Sad. I really wanted to bring up something about his uh, uh, number. Uh, seeing him at number 50 is just really... Who's number 50? That's Mac Jones. This is jersey number 50. He's allowed to have 50? Number rules, baby. I didn't realize that, that the quarterback position had that op- option. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've been seeing him in practice with 50. Well, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. Let's <laughs> <laughs> talk about the number rules, man. Oh my gosh, we—this is all staying in the show now. <laughs> We've been meaning to talk about number rules for a while here. <laughs> oh my god, Speaking this guy, of controversial rules, man. This guy's gonna suck. Okay, I, I'm gonna—I'm gonna put it out there now. The fact that he needs to wear fifty is an attention grab. He's gonna be the worst player. He's gonna be a Ryan Leaf level failure. Even though he wasn't like you know first overall, et cetera, et cetera, he, this guy's gonna suck. Calling it out. Wait, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on though, though. I, I've got some some breaking news here. So it says while the NF, this is from uh, Alabama.com. So Bama.com. <laughs> uh, that says while the NFL has relaxed some of requirements on uniform numbers for twenty one season, um, the reason that Jones is wearing number fifty for the Patriots is because of a a rule that New England allows Jones will wear number 50 for the Patriots until he must be assigned a legal number to play in the preseason. So since it's not the preseason yet, apparently at least in for new England, I don't know if, if uh, other NFL teams allow this as well. Um, The article specifically calls out that it's the Patriots allowing this, but he's apparently allowed to wear whatever the heck number he wants until he steps foot on a, actual football field for a football game i guess that makes sense i don't know the Ra- i know the ravens have definitely had players where they're like some days just wear different numbers just because in practice oh wait wait a second wait a second in. so wait, apparently f- this is this the patriots always do this apparently whoever gets drafted first by the patriots gets number 50 oh man today i learned should i ask them my uh it patriots? if yeah if alabama.com knows anything <laughs> i don't know they might need to research well, this a little bit more. <laughs> maybe I should take my hot take that this guy's going to suck for another reason than his 50 back. But I still don't think he's going to be a good player. <laughs> Do the Patriots always... You already said it, man. You know, as soon as, as soon as it turns out that he's the next Tom Brady, we're going to play that recording back. Yeah. Oh, well. I've had bad takes before. This isn't the first time. Won't be the last. <laughs> it won't be the last. Thanks, man. Thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> no, it's okay. He's not, he's not Gosh, a Ravens such, player. Who cares? It sounds like such a Belichick thing. So it's Belichick apparently does this to to according to this article from NBC Sports for the uh, players to remember to to focus on the important stuff. So like the exact opposite of what uh, all the NFL players are doing now with with linebackers. You know, LJ Ford. I'm going to be number three. Patrick Queen. I'm going to be number six. <laughs> Belichick is basically saying, don't give a shit about your number. We're just going to throw you this ugly one. <laughs> what a classic answer. Yeah, QBs, kickers, and punters remain 1 through 19. So 
He's going to have to get with the program and get a different number eventually. It's so silly. They should just let any player wear any number if they're going to do this. It's just like, what's the point of letting certain positions get these numbers and then others like, no, (laughs) I I don't understand it. (laughs) Well, the thing that's wild is like why receivers can wear numbers anywhere from 1 to 49, 80 to 89, which is ridiculous, right? Could you imagine a wide receiver wearing like, 36 <laughs> like that's not a wide receiver number that's like a safety number you know like that it'll be so confusing well it's probably for those it's the, for those gadget like running back wide receiver hybrid players right then it's not so scary i guess yeah i mean i don't know man it's just i don't love it or like even like in the 40s could you imagine a wide receiver in the 40s i, I think mean, I guess 40s. again it's a, gadget, it's a gadget player i don't know this is I just yeah I don't love it like I mean I think there was a beauty to having numbers that were important to a player because then you could actually tell who the heck they were you know I tell you man this is all it's all still perception it's all still perception you know our, our kids are gonna be listening to this episode a decade from now just being like those old geezers I don't I don't know man I don't know if that's a, <laughs> this is not like uh, like gender norms I think this is just like just good annotation on the football field they're already tiny people running around like you know on the TV podcast it helps. <laughs> to know like you know the relative size gosh that is an interesting point you know if, you, if you're looking at a quarterback you know quarterbacks can get away with those single digits right because you know their um their jersey is is facing the camera right with the angle that it's at when they drop back to throw and that is a good point but then with the the other positions like because you might only get half of their side then it's bet easier to see identify them by the two numbers yep wow same thing with kickers we're finally talking about it guys the numbers <laughs> oh man I think we, thought we, wouldn't be able, we thought we weren't going to get an hour out of this topic <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it took a couple diversions to get us there but uh <laughs> it's a summer of fun